We meet today in Isaiah chapters 50 and 51. In this chapter, we're looking at Israel's rejection of Christ, Israel's origin from past history, Israel's outlook for the future, and then the outline of Israel's present conditions. Israel's rejection of Christ is the real hurdle that they must get over before there can be any blessing for them. Jesus Christ came as their Messiah. He actually was one of them. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. John 1 verse 11 testifies this. He came to his own people, and his own people rejected him. So God the Father states the reason for their rejection. What is it? Thus says the Lord, Where is the certificate of your mother's divorce, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourself, and for your transgressions your mother has been put away. Isaiah 50 verse 1 Now we know that under the Mosaic law according to Deuteronomy chapter 24 verse 1 a man could put away his wife on the slightest pretext you see a cruel and hard-hearted man could take advantage of this to get rid of his wife now God asks Israel if they know on what grounds he has set them aside Wow. Certainly God is not cruel or brutal like a human being who would really just put away his wife for no apparent reason. It may be just simply for the reason of displeasure. Israel is spoken of as the wife of the Lord. And this is the theme that runs through the message of the prophet Hosea. It was not a whim of God. That caused Israel to be set aside. But God makes it very clear here that Israel's sins brought about their rejection. He set them aside because of their sin. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Indeed, with my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there is no water and die of thirst. Isaiah 50 verse 2. Now you see God here says I could have done something but it is because of your sins. And here he alludes to his deliverance of his people from the Egyptian bondage as a testimony of his ability to have done something for his people. But it was their sins. If he freed them from slavery, then he can deliver them from the Babylonians also. God also came again as a man, a humble man, and there was no reception of him at all. Christ came. They rejected him. Israel did not welcome Christ at his birth. They didn't receive him when he began his ministry. They rejected and killed their own Messiah. Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost testified to that fact by saying, Men of Israel, hear these words. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. This is the record of Peter's message in Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to verse 24. You see, God makes it very clear here that because they rejected their Messiah, they have been set Aside. That's God's reason. God the Son speaks of his humiliation in the next section. Isaiah 50 verse 4. This is what it says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Well, the title by which Christ, the perfect servant, addresses God is very revealing here. He is the Lord, Jehovah Adonai, the Lord God. It's not the Lord with a capital letter, so it is Jehovah Adonai. The Lord Jesus Christ made himself known to his people as Jehovah Adonai. He came meek and lowly, to do the Father's will. That is very important because if he had come gloriously arrayed and adorned with all the glories of heaven, people would have run away from him, would not even have understood him. But for our sake, he became flesh. And he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. That statement means that the Lord Jesus Christ actually studied the word of God. Now a question is asked, what did the Lord Jesus do for the first 30 years of his life? Well, generally the answer is that he worked as a carpenter in, his, uh, in the carpenter's shop that belonged to Joseph. But that is only half the truth, my friend. The other half is that he studied the word of God. How tremendous that is. If he needed to study the word of God, what about you? What about me? I think we need to get on with it and study the word of God. No wonder he confounded the teachers and the scribes the time that he went into the temple. Why? He studied the scriptures. It is nonsense to say, oh, I believe the Bible from cover to cover. I will defend it with my life when you don't study it. You can only defend and believe the Bible if you are studying it. How much time do you spend in your word? Many of us may even spend more time watching a television program, listening and chatting with friends when it comes time to do diligent time in the word of God. When we become lethargic, we don't study God's word. We need to study God's word, learning from Jesus Christ. If God has spoken between the pages of Genesis 1 and Revelation 22 verse 21, then somewhere between God has a word for you and me. If God is speaking to us, we ought to listen. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. 
Isaiah 50, verse 5. Well, this speaks of the Lord's true submission in his crucifixion. He also listened, by the way. In Exodus 21, verse 1 to verse 6, we are told that when a servant wanted to become a permanent servant, his master would bore or pierce a hole in his ear. Uh, verse 6 says, Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl, and he shall serve him forever. You see, he could wear an earring after that, and I'm convinced that he did. It indicated that he was a slave for his life to his master. Now, the reason he could become a slave forever is twofold. First, it could be that he loved his master so much that he did not want to go. And the second was he could have married a slave girl and he refused to go without the girl and therefore he becomes the slave permanently. Do you see how this was applied to the Lord Jesus Christ? The psalmist referring to this custom wrote in Psalm 40 verse 6, My ears you have opened. Now notice how this is quoted in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 5. Therefore when he came into the world he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Well, in some it says my ears you have opened. And in Hebrews, it says, a body you have prepared for me. Is this a contradiction or what? Well, it's not. When the Lord Jesus came down to this earth and went to the cross, his ear wasn't opened or digged. It wasn't pierced. He was given a body, and that body was nailed to the cross. It was the body that was pierced. He has taken a glorified body, bearing nail prints back to heaven. He did more than have his ear bored through with an owl. No, he gave his body to be crucified because he loved us so much and would not return to heaven without us. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spittings. Isaiah 50 Verse 6. Well, this was literally fulfilled when Jesus was arrested. Mark, Matthew, and John all record the fact that he was spat upon, he was scourged, he was buffeted and smitten. This is something we don't like to think about and we would like to pass over, but it was actually really literally fulfilled. God the Holy Spirit suggests men Trust the Son. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Isaiah 50 verse 10. Well, this is the wooing word if you like. The Holy Spirit speaks a soothing and imploring word to trust and rest in God's servant. He turns from this and gives a warning word. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. 
you shall lie down in torment. Isaiah 50 verse 11. Well, first it is the wooing word. As he employs people, he is inviting them. Then he gives them a warning. He says, please, if you walk in the light, the light of that fire, you are warned. Rejecting the one who is the light of the world is a terrible mistake. And so, my friend, we need to walk in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. And since he is the light of the world, we as his followers ought to be the luminaries. We ought to be reflecting that light. But if we reject him who is the light of the world, then we generally walk in the light of our own little fire down here. That's the thought. We are consciously aware of our need for light. We are consciously, in fact, in a painful way, we're consciously aware of the need for light. Instead of going to him who is the light of the world, the true light that will never be extinguished, we light our own little lights here on the earth. The lights of education, the lights of our helpers, the lights of sound relationships that have no God. Those lights will actually create a fire for us. The Holy Spirit gives this warning. He says, you will lie down by the little fire of yours in sorrow, which means you will be eternally lost, even though you have your little fire. My friend, that is a wonderful warning. That is also a wonderful encouragement for us to say when we have the light of Christ, that is good light for us now, but even for eternity. As we move on to uh, Isaiah chapter 55, I need to highlight the fact that it is impossible to read Isaiah 51. As we move on into Isaiah 51, it's important for us to highlight that it is impossible to read this chapter without realizing that God has a future purpose for the nation of Israel, just as he has a future purpose for the church and for you and me. We need to be thinking the future. Just as Israel has had a past rooted in a very small beginning, just so today they are small and are set aside. But this does not mean that God has forsaken them. He has not. He still have them on his agenda. This chapter before us, we will learn that God turns on the alarm to awaken those who are asleep, that they might know that the eternal morning is coming soon. And that eternal morning is the realization and the fulfillment of God's purpose for Israel and also the fulfillment of God's promises to us. Israel's origin from the past history is first of all given in Isaiah chapter 51. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father, and to Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. Isaiah 51 verse 1 and verse 2. This is a very important invitation. God is saying, listen, 
especially you who follow after righteousness. That, of course, refers to the children of Israel, and they are supposed to seek the Lord. They are invited here to consider the rock from which they were hewn, and from the, to consider the hole from which they were dug, or to consider the garment from which you were patched off. That's the language you have here. And here the Hebrews were to remember their ancestors, Abraham and Sarah. And more importantly, to consider their divine heritage. The rock is often a metaphor of God himself here, which belonged to them because they were God's people. That rock is Jesus. This blessing of God was continuously held before the rebellious nation to say, don't you see these blessings? Don't you see what God has done? You actually are of a divine origin. God in his grace chose you. Consider it. And so God is saying to them, I called Abraham when he was over in the Chaldeans in idolatry. And look what I have done through him. Now I want to move into your heart and life so that I can do what I promised Abraham. So that's Israel's origin put before us. But Israel must also have an outlook for the future. Isaiah 51 verse 4 says, Listen to me, my people, and give ear to me, all my nation. For law will proceed from me and will make my justice rest as a light of the people's. Again, God continues to emphasize that Israel is my people. It is his nation. And he says, for law will proceed from me and I will make my justice rest as a light of the peoples. That is Israel. This is a word of glorious anticipation for the children of Israel as, as a nation, as a people. And again, look at God's ownership of Israel. Equally true, that ownership also extends to anyone who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My righteousness is near, my salvation has gone forth, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands will wait upon me, and on my arm they will trust. Isaiah 51 verse 5. My righteousness is near. This is a very interesting one. It actually is righteousness that is referring to Christ. He is made unto us righteousness. The coastlands here are all the continents that are inhabited by the human family. And God says, I have a salvation which I will send out to the coastlands, to all the continents of the world. It is interesting to know that when Isaiah spoke at that time, the gospel had not gone all over the world. Here we speak from the end of Africa, and you go to the other end, the gospel is going. His righteousness is extending. His salvation is being extended to the coastlands. And on my arm they will trust. Well, the arm of God, as we shall see in Isaiah 53, is his salvation. The question is therefore asked that bad arm of redemption in Christ to be revealed to the lost. The question is then asked, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? According to Isaiah 
3 verse 1. Well, God wants that arm of redemption in Christ to be revealed to the lost world. Therefore, he is sending out his message that his bad arm will deliver Israel in the future. But even now, this is why I like this time of sharing God's word. Just his word and not the philosophy of men, not the ideas of men. Word for word, line for line, precept upon precept. So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 51 verse 11. Well, this verse is the same verse almost repeated word for word as verse 10 of Isaiah 35, celebrating the fact of the millennial kingdom when the highway of the Lord shall be trodden only by the redeemed of the Lord. But what is it that characterizes them as they come uh, seeing the consummation of the kingdom of Christ? Everlasting joy will be upon their heads. Joy and gladness will be their lot. They will obtain it. Sorrow and mourning shall flee away. And of course, Zion is a geographic location there in Jerusalem here on earth. We need to understand that God means what he says. It is talking of God's precise purpose for Israel. The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. Isaiah 51 verse 14 and 15. Well, just as God brought their father Abraham from the ends of the earth, God intends to bring Israel back to the land. This is what the prophet Jeremiah is saying in Jeremiah 23 verse 8. But, alas, the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. You see, the day will come when Israel will no longer remember the deliverance of Egypt, so great will be their deliverance in the future. My friend, this is tremendous. You can't just set it aside and ignore it. God is saying, wake up. That's what I'm going to do. And therefore, we will end this particular section by looking also at the outline of Israel's present conditions. The present conditions of Israel ought to tell us something. God is still telling us to wake up. Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. Isaiah 51 verse 17. Now all you have to do is look at Jerusalem today. It is a city that is in turmoil. Today, many people have a desire actually to stay there permanently. I loved it when I walked the streets of Jerusalem. Although it is a favorite spot, and it was a favorite spot of David and also uh, God's favorite spot on the earth, 
no one wants to stay there permanently because it is in turmoil. But God has yet to make it a beautiful place where people will long to live. He has yet to bring his people there. And God is saying, Wake up, O Jerusalem. I'm going to make you a great city. That's in the future. Thus says your Lord, the Lord and your God, who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. Isaiah 51 verse 22. Well, God has been pressing the cup of fury to their lips because of their rejection of Christ. But the day is coming when he will remove that cup. The day will come when God will take away judgment and bless them abundantly. How can you say that God is through with Israel as a nation? Even poetic justice demands that after all these years of judgment upon the land and upon the people, God should bless them. God will get the victory and that is what he is telling us here. Listen to that. But I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, Lie down that we may walk over you, and you have laid your body like the ground, and as the street for those who walk over you. Isaiah 51 verse 23. In other words here, the enemies of Israel will not escape the judgment of God at all. Every nation that has majored in anti-Semitism has fallen. Egypt did, Persia did, Rome did, Spain did, Belgium did, and Germany did. Anyone today who even dares will come down. This chapter should alert us as the believers today that God will yet choose Israel and that the events in the Middle East indicate that we are fast approaching the end times, although no specific prophecy is being fulfilled in this hour. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one. 4475. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 72641-4475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475. 